1: Welcome in. This is Locked On Hornets, your daily podcast on the Charlotte Hornets and the NBA. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Search your podcast app for Locked On to get podcasts on the NBA, the NFL, and fantasy sports. I'm Doug Branson. I cover the team for FanRagSports.com. I'm joined by my friend and co-host, the man, the myth, the legend. He's been covering the Hornets since they were the Bobcats for at TheHive.com. David Walker. Look at
0: us, Doug. Here we are. We're back again.
1: Back again, right before the All-Star break, right before your holiest of time.
0: (laughs) Are you ready? That's right. It's the holy season. Everyone's ready.
1: Well, before the holy season, we have to go through the trials and tribulations that has been uh, Mm the Charlotte Hornets basketball season. Let's first start uh, with a recap of what happened this weekend while we were gone, uh, and then we'll uh, dive into... A little bit of future prognosticating, sort of asking the question, is this a wrap on the season or what's left to play for, essentially? And then I've got some thoughts on Malik Monk. Uh, Clifford had some interesting comments on WFNZ about Monk this season, so wanted to dig into those as well. But first, the Hornets, they were hanging around in Utah on Friday, David, but that Utah Jazz team is a team that's playing confidently right now. They're on a win streak they were playing together. They got big contributions from multiple players. Joe Ingles had a career high, and then you had what twenty five points from Donovan Mitchell, who's having just an amazing rookie season. Much to the chagrin of of those few Hornets fans there there were probably, there were a couple out there, I'm sure, David, that wanted Donovan N- Mitchell over Monk, uh, but there are a lot more <laughs> that now say they wanted Mitchell over right. Monk. It's it's always interesting how that happens. Um, but, uh, the, the jazz also had Rudy Gobert, someone they didn't have when the Hornets took the jazz down in Charlotte. What were your thoughts from this loss?
0: Yeah. And they had just shipped out Rodney hood as part of that big Cavs deal and didn't miss a beat <laughs> at all. Um, but I mean, Dwight was frustrated in this one. Gobert bear gave him a handful. Uh, Dwight fouled out in this game and just, you know, it looked like, the Hornets were certainly exhausted at the end of this one, um kind of the end of that road trip. And the Jazz are just on fire right now. I mean between Rubio and uh certainly Donovan Mitchell and then Joe Ingles, Jingle and Joe was uh was was all over wait the place. A minute, so wait they, a minute.
1: Is yeah, that his, yeah, is, Joe. is that his actual oh, yeah. Is this like the big cricket or is this actually his nickname? No, no.
0: Jingle and Joe. I thought I've definitely heard that and now you're <laughs> going to hear it all hold over. Hold on, the
1: place. hold on. You've heard it. Is yeah. that what kind of information, journalism, that you're bringing into this podcast? You've heard someone that's one time call him for Jingle and yeah, Joe? Yes,
0: that's exactly right. That's <laughs> journalism with a lowercase j. Okay, go,
1: <laughs> go on.
0: Uh, but I don't know about you, Doug. They look exhausted to me. Um, and look, everybody's got to go on these road, road trips. But I, it looked like to me, in both of these games, really, that this whole thing caught up to them. But let's face it. I mean, these are two really good teams they were playing. Like I said, the Jazz are on fire right now. They can't lose. They they certainly they're undefeated in the sunset uniforms they wore against the Hornets. And so, um bold you know, take. Hornets,
1: bold take. I don't like those I don't like those uniforms.
0: Boulder take, I love them. I know. Uh, well that's I, not
1: a boulder take because everyone seems to love those uniforms. Oh, Everyone
0: loves them now, huh? Okay. I but just I, like the fact I don't that, like them. I like the fact that they they, they they use the court with it, so it matches, right? Like Miami has the Miami Vice ones, but they don't change the court, which I didn't know. I'm also fashion blind,
1: so you really can't take anything (laughs) that I say on on those kind of things seriously.
0: But, yeah, Doug, I mean, uh, Kimball Walker and not a whole hell of a lot else uh, on this night against the Jazz for the Hornets.
1: Speaking of Kimball Walker, he said after that game that the Hornets ran out of juice at the end, and this was definitely a very difficult road trip. As you said, it featured two back-to-backs with two days rest in between. Uh, but this is a, a point in the schedule that we pointed out as problematic during our schedule and analysis before the season began. So, you know, you knew it was going to be tough. And I think certainly the Hornets uh, wanted to be in a different place, standings wise, heading into this trip than they were. But reality is reality. They needed to pick up a, a couple of wins. And, and instead, after the Raptors' loss, they, they go 0-4. Let's get to that Raptors loss. Hornets get hammered in front of the home crowd uh, at the hands of the best team in the Eastern Conference right now, the Toronto Raptors. Uh, good start for the Hornets. 10-0 run yeah. to begin the game. But after that, pretty much nothing else went right.
0: Yeah. And the Raptors bench was a big factor in this one, right? I mean, Really stepped up for them and just way too much firepower for the Hornets. I mean, I, again, I thought they were tired to end this road trip. A one o'clock home start never bodes well for this team. And, yeah, good start. But, man, they they certainly did not play as if they were ready to go against, like you said, currently the best team in the East, depending on when you're listening to this. Uh, but, hey, after that win, they, they were number one seed in the Eastern Conference. I mean, you know, the um, – Let's see, the storm. The Hornets, like in a vacuum. Here's the thing about this game, Doug, The stats for the Hornets were okay. Like, they were fine. Like, they could win with some of these stats. 44% from three, 17 free throws, but way way too many points given up across the board. Four Raptors with 20 points in this one. And, uh, again, everyone played well for the Raptors, it seemed like. And uh, 18 of 37 for the Raps from three, only 10 of 20. Three for the Hornets and that's 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 been a factor all year.
1: Yeah, C.J. Miles 6 of 9 from beyond the arc. Nobody could really stay with him and the plus minuses for the bench. Uh, t- uh, plus 25 for yeah. Purdle, 28 for C.J. Miles, plus 12 for Siakam, plus 26 for Fred Van Vliet. Wow. Uh, the Hornets wow. bench, even though as you said, you had a couple of of performances from Lamb, uh, five of ten from the field. Zeller, four of seven from the field. They give you thirteen ten. Frank Kaminsky adds ten more. So you got enough bench scoring, but yeah. nobody on that bench. And they and they tried to you know they tried to shuffle some starters in there to make some difference, but just no one could stay uh, with the with uh, the the offense there for Toronto, which is. Uh, right now, just playing second to none, except for maybe the the, the Warriors and the and the, the Rockets right now. I mean, the Raptors' offense is just extremely yeah. efficient. And there was one uh, play in the first quarter, David, when I knew the game was over, and the Raptors cool. were only up by one point. Yes, I'm that, I'm that good. <laughs> I'm that. I can see that far into the future. I knew it was over. Here's the play. Uh, Raptors up one point. I think it was 23-22 at this point. It was a 1-5 pick and roll between Kyle Lowry and Purtle. Kimba goes over. Dwight slides to contain Lowry. Lowry then finds Purtle between the defenders. Great pass. Kaminsky has to step up. Abaka, perfect cut to the basket. Kaminsky was guarding Abaka. Purtle finds him quickly. Flush. That's offensive execution that the Hornets just simply, A, couldn't guard, and B, yeah haven't really had the past couple of weeks. I mean, you're talking about drawing the defense, the Hornets' wings, Batum, MKG, both pulled out of the play because everyone on that team can shoot. They're they're not going more than four out on that lineup, and and a lot of times they're going to put five players on the floor uh, that can knock down three-point shots. And then you had Biggs passing to Biggs, no chance of a turnover on that play, and they hit the Hornets with that kind of stuff all night long and the defense, as you said, there was probably fatigue. There were reports that the Hornets hit the cold tub as soon as they landed the plane and got Oof. back to Charlotte from that four-game road trip. So a lot of broken bodies, but uh, more, more and more, there are a lot of broken spirits. It seems like it's this team is yeah. not this team is not playing very energetically. There's there's a lot of you just see a lot of chatter, especially on the defensive end between guys like Dwight Howard and Michael Kid Gilchrist and Nick Batum. There's just a, there's not a lot of they're not playing very together. Uh, Clifford has mentioned that in, 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 in post games, you know, that they, these guys have, have got to start uh, playing as a team, essentially, that they're not going to win this with individuals. They just don't have that kind of star power on this team where one player can really lift them over the top. Uh, they've got to start playing uh, as a team, and, and they didn't against Toronto, and they got blown out.
0: Yeah, they don't have much time to make up for it now either. I mean, only one game left before the All Star break. Boy, do they need that all star break, though. <laughs> oh, my God. After this West Coast swing, they've got to be exhausted. I mean, that is a tough turnaround, and no one's making excuses for them. I mean, every team has little scheduling quirks they got to deal with. And for the Hornets, man, they just ran into a couple buzzsaws and really bad timing. And, and you look back at obviously the close games, you know, the overtime game in Portland, these winnable games that unfortunately it's becoming a theme here year after year, cannot close out, cannot get the the victories when they need them, and they add up and they add up, and then you, you roll into a stretch like this, and it's becoming too much for them to overcome.
1: David, Nick Batum, 0 of 10 from the field in this one, only two points. Kimball Walker having to shoulder the load offensively, along with Dwight Howard once again. Those two combined for 40 points, uh, but only two mm. from Nick Batum. He's been playing better of late, but is it troubling to you that he could have this bad of a game? offensively this late right. in the season.
0: Yeah, I mean this season's been weird for him though. He's had the injury, started 12 games late, just started to get into the groove. So, if you're going to say the the schedule hurt everyone, I mean it certainly hurt him as well, but it but just hasn't been 10. enough. Yeah, oh no. I mean, that's not good enough. It just hasn't been good enough all year. Um and that's you know, people are pointing at that. and and for good reason. But you know, it's funny like during the trade deadline last week the amount of views I heard, and this wasn't necessarily from like analysts or, or anyone else. I mean, this is when trade rumors are flying out, but it's the number of folks that that talked of Batum as 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 a positive addition, you know, as someone who could they could bring in on the team, even though yes, it's a high contract, but he's still going to give you valuable minutes. I mean, I think the perception of him and Charlotte right now is so, so low and it has a lot to do with that contract and a lot to do with the expectations. Um, but it's just just a super rough year right now for him, and those performances those performances don't help. I mean, uh, 0 for ten as you put it, Doug. That's he's your second guy. He's supposed to be your second scorer, and that's just not even close to cutting it.
1: Listen, I'm certain there is a team out there right now in the NBA that that can that can overlook some of the bumps that Nick batum has gone over this mm-hmm. season and talk themselves into acquiring him. Uh, in the in, in this next off season. but there are also a lot of reports that the Hornets were trying to move Nick Batum's contract in a package with Kimba Walker, and that sure. that was that was like a weight uh, attached oh, yeah. to the to moving Kimba Walker. That it was like, okay, listen, you know, we really want Kimba Walker, but we're we're also not willing to take on that Nicholas Batum contract because uh, mm-hmm. because of the large number, but also because of the the inconsistencies in play. And David, I, listen, I understand fatigue, I understand the injury, and I think we've been very good on this show about uh, providing context for all of these performances, both positive and negative. But listen, Kimball Walker's been through injuries before as well, and Dwight Howard's been through injuries before as well. I'm not sure either of those guys are going out and put putting up that kind of performance this late in a season. It just feels like there's too much time has passed, and and you can't like we were giving him, we were we were uh, praising him a few games ago because he was playing better offensively and saying, look, you know this guy's finally fully healthy. He's got Clifford back, and and him and Clifford seem to have found a groove. And then, but he's also capable of just completely disappearing on the offensive end, and I think that's what concerns. It's not. It's not game to game. And, and it's not even – I think people will point to his efficiency numbers and how they've gone down since he's gotten more usage in Charlotte, and I certainly think that's a fair criticism as well. But I don't think people are even really upset about that. It's that when you pay a guy $25 million, he's one of the highest, yeah. players, highest paid players on your team, you can't go 0 for 10 in an important game against a good team this late in the season.
0: No, I mean, yeah, it comes down to the money for most people, and when they're looking at that, uh, and you're right, it's not good enough. And <laughs> we've been pretty fair with them, but uh, what else can you say at this point, Doug? That's that is that's beginning to be the story that that he he is writing here in Charlotte. He he had he was he burst onto the scene, was very solid in that first year, was rewarded with that contract. A lot of that was circumstance. A lot of that was the off season that had happened, but he you know benefited from that and the Hornets wrote him that check. And since then it's been a couple good games and a couple of instances where he has just disappeared. And yeah, we thought that was maybe gone with the last stretch and maybe getting a little healthy, but it's just, uh, it's just another blow to the confidence anyone has in him right now that he goes back to that and has a performance like that. Like, like you said, I mean, that's, 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 that's not giving much. And certainly he does things, that, you know, we always get back to this. Don't show up in the in the in the in the box score. Right. But the, the Hornets, are, they have too many guys that do things that don't score and don't show up in the box score at this point. They need some box score uh, contributors.
1: Yes, we actually we need you. We actually need you to show up in the box score. This <laughs> we time. we know that that's, that's a, not, it's a cool thing. Not, we need stats. It's a cool thing that you do, but it's all, also <laughs> we need the box score. Uh, it listen, winning and losing basketball games, it's, it's a complex deal. Sometimes it comes down to one or two plays. Sometimes it comes down to an opposing player like a and Joe, if that really is That's his right. nickname. Getting hot mm-hmm. and, and beating your team single-handedly, sometimes it comes down to that. But if there's one thing that I can point to offensively and defensively for the Charlotte Hornets that is really... Caused this uh, four-game skid in which they've seen both their offense and their defense let them down. It's really been about uh, pace, both their pace and then defending and slowing down the other team. They've been get they've been consistently getting beat in transition. And then when you look at their own pace, uh, they're 11th overall in pace this season. But in the past five games, that number drops to 23rd in the league, and in the last 10, it's 19th. In the league, so they are slowing down. And I think some of that is fatigue, but I think some of that is also. I saw a few times in this game, uh, in this uh, game against the Raptors, where, well, they had eight steals, I believe. No, five steals in this game, eight steals against the Utah Jazz. But if Dwight Howard ends up with that steal, the ball slows down. Like he, he doesn't move it up the court fast enough. And, and this happens on his rebounds as well. I think he's got, he's, you know, he's one player that. Uh, that, you know, has, has been, again, consistently scoring and consistently providing them with rebounds and and rim protection. But I think he's slowing them down a little bit in a way that's that's harmed them in the past four games. I think he's, as soon as he gets that rebound, that, that ball's got to move up court quickly because this team is just not skilled enough offensively, especially if there are one or two bench players mixed in with the starting unit where, where they can let a team get set on defense for – you know, 70, 80% of the game and expect to be successful. They have to push the ball quickly.
0: Yeah. And that falls on the whole team. I mean, especially the ball handlers too. the dog. Don't you think, I mean, they got to go get that ball. Like Kim has got to go to the ball, either Nick or whomever has to go get the ball and, and push it. Sure. If they're going to keep up that pace. Right. Like it can't, it Dwight's got the rebound, but unless you want him to push it and he, Hey, he's more than willing. He'll take it all away yeah but but those the, the guards have got to go get it from him too. so I mean it's twofold and and you would think they would have that a little more under control at this point in the season to your point, but they don't
1: well, Clifford says you know that they're looking at at different things and trying to fix it. Uh, he's not really getting into specifics about what he thinks is is wrong at this point. Because I think there may be a, a multitude of things that are wrong. Listen, you know, you don't go ten games under five hundred because there's one little tweak here or there. I think that there are several factors going on right now, but that that's just one that jumped out at me. Is it just looks like this team is playing a lot slower, and that's even with Cody Zeller's return to the lineup and getting you know twenty, twenty-three minutes a night. This team is still playing slower, so it's something I think they should look to address. Uh, so here's the situation, David. The Hornets have now dropped four in a row. They're 23 and 33 on the season. One more game in Orlando before the All Star break. They are in Orlando playing just slightly more miserably than the Hornets right now. Uh, they've won 18 games. They play <laughs> Chicago. They're playing Chicago tonight. We're, we're recording oh this recording this uh, on Monday. So uh, they're playing Chicago in the middle of that Enjoy game. That yeah. They are so the Hornets are six and a half games out of the eighth spot, which, if the top of the East holds, would be a date with the Toronto Raptors. Uh, are you ready, David, to call it a season for the Hornets?
0: I don't see how they're going to do it, Doug. I mean, honestly, we've been through this too many times. This hole has it just feels too large for them to dig themselves out of. Plus, they can't string wins together. You know this. Recent three-game win streak was the longest of the season, right? And they can't do that on a consistent basis. So how are you going to make up any ground on any of these teams, even if some of these other teams are falling, uh, to to get back in this hunt, man? I just uh, unfortunately, with only what twenty-five games after the All-Star break left to go, and having seen no better consistency throughout the year, I, I don't I don't see how it's just too much to overcome.
1: You're you're losing the faith, David. You are you are you were saying just a few days ago that the math was still there and now you've well, Yeah, that was
0: three games out now <laughs> they're six games out <laughs> <laughs> Listen, what a difference three days yet
1: you are you are not that that charlotte hornets super fan that we keep seeing on on television have you seen this guy with the suspenders and the the beard and the hair oh have you no. seen this guy you've not, not seen yeah no. they well they put him on the broadcast too um. Yeah, I you look gotta, at my
0: phone during all these games, so I I'd, I'd rarely see what's right, going well on. You
1: need to check out this super fan, although I think the whole thing, you know me, anything on the internet, anything that gets big like this, and, and big is a relative term, big in the in the Charlotte Hornets community, sure. anything like this is a work. Like it's a total, I don't know if he's with the team. Oh, I think get, he's a plant. I, this is wild speculation. Oh, I like, but I yeah. like this. But it's the same thing as uh, you. So when the the Hornets were in Portland, uh, Portland did this like tic tac toe thing oh, at you halftime, think that was setup. and and it was it was the worst. I don't know if you've seen this on the on oh, the yes. interwebs, but <laughs> oh, if you yes. haven't, they did this tic tac toe game uh, at halftime at the Portland game, and it was the worst game of tic tac toe ever played. Like the people didn't know the rules. Uh, and and it was just horrible and nobody won, not even the fans it was it was just a horrible <laughs> display of of board gamedom and yeah totally I think it was fake. I think mm-hmm. listen the, the Portland social media is extremely savvy. that whole digital team over there extremely savvy. I think the hornets same way they've got some great people working for them. Uh, this is a total conspiracy theory, but I think yeah. Anytime stuff like this happens, it's just too, you know why I think the that the, that the super fan is a work. It's too perfect. <laughs> it's too like, you got to see this guy, look him up as I'm introducing this next segment, because you got to see this guy and give me your thoughts okay. on him. Okay. Um, okay. But it's just like the moves that he, the dance moves and stuff are just too perfect. It's not, I don't know. That's just, well, Let's be think the long con. Twitter.
0: So you think they're playing the long con because it's not just a one. Well, I think game you got to do something. Oh, okay. I think you okay. got to do
1: something gotcha. when the record is what the record is. You well, gotta...
0: it's the first thing that comes up. Then you know that the second thing that comes up is.
1: No, and the purple shirt guy.
0: Yeah. <laughs> that's right
1: uh, 27 games remaining including Wednesday's game they would need to go 18 and nine the rest of the way to get to 500 and uh, you hope that they would get some help from some combination they would need to get some help from some combination of the Miami Heat the Philadelphia 76ers and the Detroit Pistons. At this point, look, the Hornets have an easy schedule ahead of them, but they they just haven't proven uh, that even right. that is is enough to help them. And honestly, I don't even think it's going to be. I think the Hornets could go on on a pretty wicked run, and the the Sixers and the Heat also play well and end up knocking them out at this point. And they still have a lot of games left against the the Sixers, so that could be the death blow right there. The Sixers just you know take. Two of their next three matchups and and that would be all she wrote uh, so anyway uh, now well so Clifford is fielding questions on this by the way Rick Bennell asked him after the Raptors game about essentially when would he start to adjust his rotation based on developing for the future as opposed to focusing mm-hmm. on winning uh, you know winning now for the playoffs and he said the next eight to ten games will determine that David mm-hmm. is that is that too? Is that too late? Do they need to start making changes right after the All Star break?
0: Nah, nah, that's fine. Uh, you know, eight to ten games. Well, what's it gonna do at this point? I, I don't. I mean, any little help, uh, any any minutes they get him is gonna help. But uh, you know, it, if they're mathematically within reach, I don't mind them <laughs> still trying to go for it. Um, I don't know. It's not like a whole season, right? They're getting a little bit of momentum here, or trying to get some guy, uh, guys a few minutes. And look, we're we're talking about Monk. Really, right? That's who we're talking about.
1: Yeah, well, good. That's great. That's a great segue because he's a player that would surely relish some more playing time. Uh, We get comments and questions after every game about Monk's lack of minutes. It breaks down into essentially two categories, the comments and the questions that we get. Why isn't Monk playing and Monk should be playing more? So let's tackle the first question. Why hasn't Monk played much this season?
0: Well, Clifford noted it today. They're worse when he's on the floor. But I think a big part of that is he's not very good on defense right now, Doug. And you caught that from the very beginning. I mean, he was completely lost playing an NBA defense um, and continues to be. And, you know, so that's going to be tough to get minutes in a Steve Clifford or anyone's system. Um, and, and you add to that the fact that this was probably the worst situation for him to be in, being forced to play the point guard role early. Clifford continues to say that he believes Monk has to be able to play the one to be a starter in this league. Um, I assume due to his stature and his height. He has and to all play. That, he says
1: he has to, yeah, he has to play the one and the two.
0: Yes, right, right. right. He has be to able have some to
1: ability to handle the ball and run an offense. I want to read that quote that you mentioned there. Clifford was on with uh, WFNZ's Garcia and Bailey, their morning show uh, yesterday. Clifford said, quote, We haven't played well when he's been on the court. We didn't play well defensively when he was on the floor, but we really struggled offensively. Let me read you some numbers, David, and then we can dig into this a little more. According to my guys over at CleaningTheGlass.com, the Hornets were 8.3 points per possession worse on defense with Monk on the floor, and they were 11.5 points per possession worse on offense. Uh, some of the reasons for this, David, as, as you mentioned, he was forced into that point guard role, but not only that, he was he was that happened because of mcw's injury and, mm-hmm. and because of lamb's development right i mean he uh you know he he can't really play the 2 very much yeah. because lamb's been playing so well at that position but also he's he's moved into that point guard position early in the season and he didn't even get a summer league you know he didn't, right. he didn't get that chance that other rookies got to to get comfortable so, so that's certainly an issue as well. And, and and as Clifford noted, he's not comfortable enough at the point guard position, and and that's going to be key to his development. And, and he simply doesn't have a chance defensively against a two guard with any size and or strength. And his, and he's also, to be perfectly honest, I mean, he's shown a lack of awareness on the defensive end. It's not just about his size. I mean, we've no. seen him blow, uh, you know, baseline out of bound play after baseline out of bound play, where it's like you. He should know where his man is and and what he's supposed to do on a given play, and and it's just not coming naturally to him right now.
0: Right, and uh, you know, and Clifford also noted in that there's he he said there's no one in the building that doesn't think Malik Monk can be a player. Uh, So I mean, I think you know if you take that, the belief is still there in him, but you just can't play him in these situations. You know, at this point in the season, or up to this point in the season, because I see people say all the time, you know, I just assume see Malik Monk miss jumpers as uh, Frank or or Cody or whomever. But to your point, Lamb had a had a had a bit of a breakout season, so you can't play him over Lamb. You're not going to start them. They they when they had the opportunity, yeah, against really small backcourts once or twice, like against Dallas, I think. And maybe that was um, when Clifford was out, but they tried to play Kemba and Malik together. Now that's been like maybe once or twice. They didn't try that a whole lot, but, but, but that size discrepancy made it tough to do that. And so it was just a tough spot for him. And, you know, Bacon has not played much at all since the, since the start of the season either. Um, so there just hasn't been a lot of playing time for those guys or a lot of opportunity because you just couldn't play them. At the point, I mean, it was obvious. They, they they tried to do it. I mean, they gave him the shots at the point guard, and that was a tough ask. It would have been almost miraculous to see him pull that off because he yeah. hasn't played point guard since high school, which was only, what, two years ago, three years ago. Uh, but still, that's a but big jump. Listen, and, and playing, on the point, yeah, playing
1: end, point guard at the college level, it's a huge leap from there right. to to the professional level, much less right. on the high school level when you are miles and away the best player on your team, on on yeah. the whole, in the whole probably county, like you know, you're, remember, you're just
0: the best. And Doug, remember, like we weren't even sure he was going to be available to start the season, you know, during the summer, right? Like no summer league, it was a bit of a question. Um, I mean, they they may have been sure, but I remember thinking, "Gosh, is is, is he going to be ready to go?" So here's here's um, the
1: here's the tough part. I think for a lot of fans, that that fan that you mentioned that would that would say, "Why not just play?" Malik Monk and, and watch him go out and, and miss a bunch of jumpers and play bad on defense mm-hmm. because the season doesn't matter. But here's the here's the the tough thing to understand I think is that Clifford treats Malik Monk like he would treat Dwayne Bacon, like he would treat Trevion Graham. There are no unearned minutes in Clifford's mind, and he said that publicly. It's one I think where that's rooted is that it's one of the quickest ways to cause conflict and even lose a locker room, especially on a veteran team like the Hornets, if someone is viewed as getting gifted minutes. You have to earn those minutes, not just when you have the opportunity to play, but also the times that we don't see them You know, in practice. And it's not just the coaches that are seeing Malik Monk at practice. It's other players, too. And you bet that they watch each other and you also bet that they know who deserves to be on the floor and who doesn't. You heard the effusive praise from Kimball Walker a few weeks ago for Trevion Graham. He said they need more guys playing like that, giving it 100% on both ends of the floor. And, and that took... I mean, look at the journey that Trevion Graham has gone through to get to the point oh. that he is now. And and so if if Clifford were to, were to decide to play Malik Monk in a situation where... The team has a shot at the playoffs, then you're essentially telling your other veterans on the team to just pack it in, to let mm-hmm. go. Uh, and and I don't think that that's a great way for any head coach to, to operate.
0: Yeah. And I'm glad you brought up Trevion because why is he getting minutes? Why is he playing? Because he is rock solid. Like that's the one thing, that's the first thing that comes to mind. When you say, why is he getting minutes? Because he doesn't make mistakes. Right. I mean, of course, everyone makes mistakes, but he is as solid as it can be. He hits shots when he's open. He knows where to be on defense. He plays tough and he plays hard. He's they don't have a lot of these three and D guys. He he fills that role for them. But you're now that's another guy you're not going to play Malik Monk over. Certainly not at this point. So, but they're they're quickly tough climb,
1: yeah. And they're quickly getting to that point, though. And and I think you will see them start to develop Dwayne Bacon and Malik Monk and get them more minutes. And listen, you know, they're they're going to be facing some tough realities salary cap wise heading into this next season. And if the Hornets have to shed salary, David, then Jeremy Lamb is a prime candidate to be on the trade block come this next offseason. And that could certainly open up a role for Malik Monk. In year two, uh, if you know if he develops as everyone, as you said, everyone in that organization thinks he can be a good player, if he starts to live up to that and, and gets a healthy offseason to develop not only his game but develop his game relative to to the team, then then he might get that opportunity if if they do have to part with uh, one of their wing players uh, and, and sacrifice that in order to uh, in order to look at the, at the backup point guard market, which David, you sent me a link to a lot of, Mm a lot of interesting point guard options going to be available. Not like last season, last season really wasn't a deep point guard market, but we can dig into that, uh, later this week. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's, it's going to be interesting come this off season. What, you know, what priority, what priorities they choose to, to pursue. And really, Doug,
0: what other choice do they have than to depend on guys like Bacon and Monk to develop for improvement, right? I mean, look at the improvement that they have made internally this year. They had to depend on Lamb to get better, Travion Graham to get better, Frank to get better. I think all those guys got better, um, but it certainly didn't help the team overall, but they're going to have the same, you know, they're not going to have any flexibility this coming year either. Now, we'll see what moves they make, but they're going to depend on draft picks and young guys developing, not something that's been a strong suit.
1: All right, that'll do it for us on this edition of Locked On Hornets. Thanks so much for listening here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets, on Instagram at Locked On Hornets. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Overcast, whatever you use to get your podcast. Just search Locked On Hornets. We're back again tomorrow with more for David. I'm Doug saying go Hornets, go America, let's swarm sharp.